You're tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. I'm Brendan Erickson, a regional sales manager at SPS. And my name is Jackie Green, a marketing specialist at SPS. This show brings you the latest happenings in the ONP industry. We're unpacking trends and news from this tight-knit orthotics and prosthetics community. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. April is Limb Loss and Limb Difference Awareness Month. Every day, more than 500 people in the U.S. lose a limb, and it is estimated that by 2050, the number of people living with limb loss will nearly double. Yeah, so for this episode, we wanted to shine a spotlight on SPS sales account manager Jamie Brown's story of being a para-triathlon athlete representing the USA in the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. We think you're really going to enjoy this episode. The theme for this year's Limb Loss and Limb Difference Awareness Month is Inspire to Elevate. To learn how you can get involved, visit amputee-coalition.org or follow the link in our show notes. KnitRight offers prosthetic shrinkers for every stage of the patient journey. The Compresso Grip Elastic Shrinker is designed for control and prevention of edema following amputation surgery and for limb volumetric maintenance. The four-way stretch shrinker features a dot silicone suspension band to keep the sock comfortably in place and Ionic Plus fabric known for its moisture wicking properties. Explore KnitRight's shrinkers on SPSCO.com. All right, so SPS updates. We are thrilled to announce the release of another SPS Unpacked video. Previously, we unpacked the Meta Arc and the Meta Shock, and now we're unpacking the Meta Shock X. The Meta Shock X from Willowood is a lightweight option for patients looking for a low build height with maximum displacement. So follow the link in our show notes to watch the video today and learn more about this unique foot. All right, let's dive into our interview today. Let's welcome our guest. It's Jamie Brown, someone I'm getting to know a little bit better and super impressed with. He recently joined SPS as a sales account manager for our Oklahoma and Texas territory. Before that, he served in uh, regional medical sales, commercial fitness equipment sales and distribution, and sales education for almost, what, 15 years, I believe. Jamie is also a paratriathlete and represented USA in the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. Hey, Jamie, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? It was the it was originally scheduled for 2020, but it ended up being the 2021 Paralympics. Yeah, so the pandemic definitely gave the games a curveball. We're so happy to have you on the podcast, Jamie, especially because the 2022 Winter Paralympics are kicking off soon, you know, starting March 4th through the 13th in Beijing, China, and should be in full swing when this episode is released. For those of you listening, be sure to watch this year's games on the NBC Sports app or NBCOlympics.com. You can also see the show notes for the full schedule. Okay, so um, why don't you share a little bit about yourself for our listeners who don't really know you, because I know Brendan and I kind of know a little bit about you and your background. So why don't you start there? Yeah, so well, um, so I was born with a fibular hemomelia, so I was amputated when I was 10 months old. Um, a very long time ago and kind of always gravitated towards sports. It was a big part of my, uh, my youth and like just my way of connecting with my peers. Um, so competition was always a big thing and I just loved to play. It didn't matter if it was uh, baseball, football, hockey, roller hockey, basketball, um, kind of did everything. 
Um, and then as I got older, I excelled quite a bit at baseball and then ended up playing through high school and then ultimately in college uh, at Chapman University. And as far as I know, I'm one of the only amputees that have played collegiately. Uh, had the fortune of our team qualifying for the College World Series one of the years, so that was pretty cool. Um, as far as like just getting to those like kind of sporting events, um, which I ultimately think probably prepared me a little bit for the Olympics, you know, so many years later. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a wild ride, and then got into you know I after I finished in college, I didn't think sports were ever gonna be outside of coaching and doing stuff like that another you know i thought i was basically done being an athlete and uh yeah and my wildest dreams i didn't think i was gonna turn around and become a paralympian um i didn't even know what the paralympics were until i was in my 20s so um it just wasn't something i was ever like like no i was a i was a able-bodied athlete i guess with one leg is what i would like to say i guess so how how did you get into triathlon racing then? And like, can I I don't know very much about triathlon racing, so you can explain that a little bit too. We'll do the, the Cliff Notes version of it. So triathlon, <laughs> uh, triathlon is a swim, bike, and a run. So and it goes in that order. Um, the distances kind of change depending on like what the names are. So like the Olympic level and the Paralympic level are considered sprint and Olympic distance. So my distance was a 750 meter swim, a 20 kilometer bike, and then a five kilometer run. The Olympic distance is basically just double that. And then they have the half Ironman distance, which is double the Olympic. And then the full Ironman, which is double the half Ironman. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> They're the same sports, but like the energy systems it takes to do the different um, distances are very different but ultimately it's a swim bike run so in 2012 they at the London Games they announced that it was going to be into the put into the Paralympics for Rio so it co coincided with me being um, working with a, a para-athlete that was like actually um, involved with an organization called Challenge Athletes Foundation which happened to be in San Diego, which is where I was located, and they were founded on a triathlon. So they put together this camp. Uh, she reached out for me. She was like, this is something you should just get into. And no, By no means did I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go be in the Paralympics now. I mean, at that time, are you like regularly training? I mean, you're not you're not out doing triathlons. You're just probably jogging and staying fit, right? But then went for it? I didn't even have a running leg. So, <laughs> I mean, I was doing all my stuff still on like my walking, walking leg. I didn't have anything kind of set up for the bike. I mean, I had a bike, but nothing like for racing triathlon. And then, uh, yeah. And I hadn't, I've been in the ocean my whole life. So swimming was like, I've never swam like per se, like laps and stuff like that. But I was comfortable swimming. It was open water. Um, so I, that was, it just kind of like happened for me, to be honest. Wow. So even even back in college, you weren't using, you were just using your regular foot. Wow. Okay. Just my regular low profile Veriflex, if we want to call it that back then. So yeah. So, okay. 
We've kind of heard your story, how you even got involved, how you got into racing. How did you end up on the U.S. team? How did, how did you get, what was the progression that got you there? And then how, and then how do you also make, how do you even make the Paralympic team? Is there, are there, are there, I'm assuming there are tryouts and then whoever the top slots are get it, or is there like a selection process? Yeah, it's a little more complicated than tryouts, <laughs> but, but, uh, how did I get onto the national team? I guess we can start there. Um, so basically triathlons broken into six categories. So there's a wheelchair where you basically have to do the whole sport from either a, a racing chair and a, a hand cycle, and then you swim normal. Um, and then there's a categories two, three, or PTS two, three, four, five are basically you do the whole event as a, a normal person would do it. There might be modifications to your bike if you're missing your hand or something like that. But in that two, three, four, five is basically set up for two is the most disabled. So for example, you'll see a lot of above the knee amputees in that class. And then PTS five is the least disabled. So those are gonna be more of the hand amps or like someone with maybe drop foot or something like, something along those lines. And then the sixth class is the visually impaired class. So they do everything with a tandem bike and someone attached to them. So, yeah, it's a, it, it really is a team sport at that point. Um, and they can be completely blind or visually impaired, and then they have a, a, you know, a factor system set in place for those athletes over that class. But, yeah, so I ended up in four um, – which is a lot of below the knee amputees are, are in that class as a, as well as like above the elbow arm amputees. So high up. Um, and then I honestly, it was my second race uh, I ever did was national championships in New York city. And I got out there and yeah, it was crazy. Cause um, I had never ran. It was an Olympic just, I had never ran six miles and I had got my running leg probably like, three weeks before it. Um, I'd been riding a lot and swimming a lot. And like, I get in the water, you're swimming in the Hudson. So you're going down river at like 12 miles per hour <laughs> swimming. At like, yeah, you're, you're flying down the river and I just get out and run just, and it's an out and back course. So you never, I never saw anyone. I just assumed they were ahead of me. <laughs> and like, I'm going through the run course and you never see them cause you're running a loop around central park. Um, which is very different than how like the, the modern courses are set up. And, uh, you know, I'm on mile five. I'm just like looking around. I'm just, I have to really go to the bathroom right now. Like, I'm like, is someone coming? Like I, I drink too much water or something. <laughs> and I get to the finish line and there's a tape in front of me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I actually won this thing. Like I, I, I mean, yeah, I had no clue until the very, very, like I'm at the finish line. And that was my second, like basically my first normal triathlon that I'd ever done. And that was national championships. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I can do this. And uh, what year was it, 11 or 10 or something like that? But um, So your strength in swimming and cycling just shot you out in front of everyone. And then you started running and, and just didn't even look back. No, it was a really awesome experience. And at that point, I was like, okay, I, I, I mean, if it was the US. So, um, I had no concept of like the international talent that was out there. And 
I ended up going to the world championships the following year because I don't. They didn't even know that. Um, they kind of pre-picked who was going to go to world championships. Uh, they did not see me winning that race, so it was kind of like set up, and it was the time frame was really close. So, anyways, it, yeah, I ended up you know racing internationally after that, and then um, went to the world championships the following year, and that was like the wake up call of wake up calls. It's like okay, like these guys literally whooped my butt all over the place. Like they they were all fast. It was like you're not going to get better unless you get your butt kicked or you lose. Like that's how you learn. Um, if you really want to do this, <laughs> so, and it's a hard sport. It's so, um, in general, <clears throat> but at that point I basically was on the national team and kind of have been on the national team until January 1st of this year where I kind of like stepped away a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was, a. it's awesome. They take such good care of us, USA triathlon and the, the USO PC. So, so do you think things, despite the COVID restrictions, do you think there was a similar atmosphere to other large sporting events over the course of your experience? Or do you think COVID really kind of changed the mindset and the whole Olympic experience and either added to it or took away from it in some ways? So with triathlon, I've been very fortunate and I've been able to race in Japan like five or six times. Um, the way triathlon is set up, we we basically are attached to our able-bodied side. So the, it's called the World, World Triathlon Series. So we actually train and we race with the able-bodied side during this the World Series. So what I can say is I felt terrible for the Japanese public that they didn't get to like be a part of the events in the way that... Because it's probably the best places... I've ever raced is in Yokohama and Tokyo because they're such big sports fans. I mean, the events were sold out within minutes of the tickets going on sale and that that's para Olympics and the regular Olympics. So I felt bad for that part of it. Um, when we were there though, in the village was the first time that I was like, cause you're always with the triathlon people. I never got to see, we never go and see like the ping pong or the all the other different events that are that are there. So like the depth of the different athletes um, at the village, that was the first time I was like, wow, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever been involved with. So we actually had spectators like on the bike and the run portion of the course. So that was cool. Like we, we got that energy, but. Yeah, it was kind of surreal. I'm not going to lie. Like when you leave the village and you're driving to our venues, like where we would go swim or wherever, and you could see all of the venues from skateboarding, the volleyball, the beat, like you pass all of them, like along the highway. And they're just these beautiful venues that never got filled. How about your men mental kind of, I guess, strategy at that point? I mean, did that creep into it or are you just all system go? I don't even want to think about the pandemic at this point i just need to focus on myself like how, how does that lend itself in your mind you got to manage your energy that's for sure because we raced really early um like we were at the venue at like 3 a.m because it's so hot there like we had to be done by like eight eight o'clock in the morning or something like that so it, it, it's it, it's hot it's by noon it's like 100 degrees and 100 percent humidity right right okay very cool 
So, Brendan, do you have any any other questions before we do the hot seat questions? No. Do you, are you ready for this hot seat, Jamie? Did you know this was coming up? You remember it was back on SportsCenter. They used to do this, and I loved it. It was my favorite part of SportsCenter. They they get an athlete on there, and they just random questions. So, this is like the recruiting stuff they did for baseball. Like, Brendan, do you wanna do you wanna take it away, or you want me to take it away? Why don't you start, and, and I'll follow up. I want to I want to prepare myself and really attack him from different angles. All right, are you ready? How many pets do you have, and which one is your favorite? So currently, I have one pet. Uh, I I did have ten pets at one point, uh, six dogs and four cats. Uh, so I have to default to the one I have now, which is Maverick, and he he's my three year old uh, rescue from Mexico. Okay, okay. So um, by default, he's your favorite right now. Has to be my favorite. All right, well, so I'm going to go off the cuff here just because you said your dog's name is Maverick, and I'm going to go to Top Gun, and I'm going to say Iceman or Maverick. Ooh. Iceman. He's consistent. He's not hot-dogging. So March Madness, who are you rooting for? Uh, you know what? Duke. I, it's Coach K's last year. He's obviously been such an influence on so many you know, college basketball in general, so I would say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull for Duke, and I'm not even a Duke fan. It's Coach K thing. All right, here we go. St. Patty's Day is coming up, March 17th. You can only choose one. Well, actually, I'm going to let you go wild card, but you have to think of it in, in under three seconds if you don't like either of these. Okay? Chocolate coins or green beer? Oh, green beer. That was a no-brainer. Okay, this is more of a, a theoretical question, and I want to answer is yes or no and why. But you got to keep it you know, off the cuff. You can't think about it too much. Is cereal soup? Cereal is not soup because soup is warm. Okay, so thank you. Your responses are now documented. We'll have them forever. So hopefully you really meant them. So before we wrap up this interview with you, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners or want them to know? Or I look forward to growing with SPS and, and making lots of relationships out of, out of all of my uh, new friends. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, thank you, Jamie. I know you have a ton going on. You're traveling, you're working, you're learning, you're coaching, you're cheering on the USA. So really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate your guys' time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, this is great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to The O&P Check-In, an SPS podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to episodes. And while you're at it, rate and review the podcast to help fellow O&P professionals find us. Email us your topic suggestions and feedback at SPS Podcast at spsco.com. See you next time. <laughs>